Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3 of the Axe Church Podcast. This season will be a little different from the previous two seasons in that it will be an archive of sermons and Bible studies from the past several years. We see this as an opportunity to create a source for learning, a library of study that you can tune into and listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. Our hope is that you will learn and grow in your relationship with God and receive the revelation of truth. God bless, and we hope you enjoy. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 5. We're going to continue on in our search for truth, and I'm going to skip on through some of these pages here um, in the search for truth chart because I've covered this territory so uh, heavily in the past year, year and a half that I'm going to skip on through some of this, and we're going to go on to uh, to some other things. I, I spent quite a bit of time in the tabernacle plan, so... I need to get on through this search for truth. But I do want to read Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read verse number 8. Now, we're at the point in our study where the disciples have uh, left Mount of Olives, and uh, they have went to Jerusalem, and uh, this is where well, they're actually at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus has given this commandment to them. He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. This is where we left off in our study that uh, he's going to pour the Holy Ghost out on him. It's going to begin with Israel. It's going to go to the Samaritans, which are half-breeds. They're half-Jew, half-Gentile, and then it's going to go to the Gentiles. So the Holy Ghost is poured out. He said, I will, uh, the Holy Ghost will be sent in my name to teach you all things. That's John 14. And 26. So the next page we have on our chart, we have the dispensation of the Holy Ghost or the church age, the grace dispensation. There were 120 believers that were in the upper room, including the mother of Jesus. So it's very important to understand who all was there. It gives a fresh understanding to the importance of the Holy Ghost. If, if anybody would qualify for heaven without receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the grace dispensation, alive in the grace dispensation, it should be out of all people on the face of the earth, it ought to be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Out of everybody that's going to live in the grace dispensation, you would think that the lady that gave birth to the Messiah would be qualified for salvation without the Holy Ghost. But we find who's in the upper room with the disciples. It's Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's there, and she receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Um, I want to skip the next few slides, Brother Mike, because I've covered all those slides so well in the past year or so, and I don't want to, I don't want to be too redundant. I want to go to uh, slide number 43 is the one we want to go to. I want to talk about the purpose of the Holy Ghost, the purpose of the Holy Ghost. There are several reasons why that we are um, to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I want to give you some scriptures, and we're going to talk about those. 
Uh, it's, um, I want to go through these right here. To resurrect us at his coming, to have power to witness to others, to show you things to come, and to cause the weary to rest. These are all scriptures, and it's to teach you all things. Um, if you're taking notes and you want to write these verses down, uh, to teach you all things is John 14 and 26. That is the Holy Ghost. The Comforter is to teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance. He's, it's to lead and guide you into all truth. If you allow the Holy Ghost to do what the Holy Ghost is designed to do when you receive it, he will walk you through all truth. There are, there are truths hidden in the Word of God. This book right here is called The Living Word, and there's a reason for that. It's because uh, the other day I was thinking, uh, y'all may not think this way, but I do. Okay, and so just pardon me for my, you know, crazy thinking. But when I'm riding down the road or if I'm riding a tractor or if I'm working or something, I kind of just have these daydreams. And uh, one, of my, one of my daydreams would be I would just absolutely love to go back to being probably eight or nine years old and transplant the brain that I have right now and all the knowledge and all the experience and all of everything I've gone through right now into that little nine-year-old brain and start over. How many of you'd like to do that? How many of you'd make some things different in your life? Yeah. And, and so my, my thought process went from that to, well, it would be nice if I could stand before God and him say, okay, Anthony, I'm going to send you back to whatever time you want and I'm going to uh, allow you to keep your understanding now, but I'm going to give you three things. What three things would you like to have? Three things. I'm going to give you three wishes. And so I, the first thing popped in my mind, I said, I would like, Lord, and this is I was telling this last week, I would like, Lord, to be able to have a photographic memory that everything I read I, it's like a photocopy of it. I memorize it instantly, read it one time, and I got it in my mind locked in forever, and I can access it at any given moment. And I said, Lord, the first thing I would read would be the Bible. And then I would never have to pick it up again. I could step to the pulpit and say, Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, and just start quoting it. And if I was witnessing to anybody or talking to anybody, I could access any scripture at any given time, Pull it up. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be the first thing I'd ask God for. <sighs> the ability to do that. But this right here is called the living word. The reason why it's called the living word is because I can read a scripture and 10 years later come back and read that same scripture and get a brand new revelation out of it. And two weeks later read the same scripture and it says something else to me. And a month later, read the same scripture, and it reveals something else to me. I've preached dozens of messages from the same text because it's alive, and it is relevant to whatever you're going through for today. And the Holy Ghost, if you allow the Holy Ghost to work in you, it will steadily and progressively walk you into all truth. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. One of the purposes of the Holy Ghost is to teach you all things. It is a comfort. It is a, it causes the weary rest. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11 through 12 tells us that it causes the weary to rest. 
okay? It gives you power to be witnesses. That's Acts 1 and 8, the one we just read just a while ago. And, of course, it causes, let's read this one. Turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. This is the most important. This is the most important reason for the Holy Ghost is Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, if the Holy Ghost dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Now, don't forget this last phrase. By his spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that dwelleth, okay? So the Holy Ghost is what quickens you on resurrection day. When the trumpet sounds, it's the Holy Ghost in you that quickens you. So let's talk about the Holy Ghost just for a while if we can. I want to go through a, a, a quick little Bible study about the Holy Ghost. The last words of Jesus to his disciples is a commandment to wait for the promise. He then defines this promise as being the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we're going to talk about uh, the fundamental truth concerning the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Number one, what is the Holy Ghost? Number two, what is the purpose of the Holy Ghost or what does the Holy Ghost do? And number three, is the Holy Ghost needed for salvation? And number four, how do I receive the Holy Ghost? So let's go through this study just for a little while and we'll talk about some of this. First of all, let's define the term Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? Well, the word holy, the scriptures tells us that there is none holy but one. That's God. Okay? Holy means God. Ghost simply means the spirit of a departed one. Okay? So, so we know that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh or made visible in the flesh. Jesus is God. He is holy. And Jesus departed. In the flesh, okay, his fleshly body departed because he ascended into heaven. And so it is his spirit or his ghost, so that defines the Holy Ghost. So the answer to our first question, what is the Holy Ghost, is simply answered this. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of God. Simple to define. The spirit of God, okay? Now, why the Holy Ghost? Why does God want to work today through the Holy Ghost? Genesis 1 and verse 2. He has always worked through the moving of the Spirit. Always. At the beginning, at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay? So, we find God setting a precedent in the very beginning of the Bible that he moves through the Spirit. He always has moved through the Spirit. So, he performs his will through the moving of his Spirit. When he created Adam, he created him with a Spirit so that he could have fellowship with him. God is a Spirit. He created us with a Spirit so that way we can fellowship together. John 4 and 24 says this. God is a Spirit. If you're taking notes, just jot these verses down. John 4 and 24. God is a Spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. I want to tie in later. If you're going to be a true worshiper of God, you got to worship him how? 
in spirit, how? And both are important. I want to say that again. Both are important. You can't worship God in truth only. You got to be endowed with the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. You can't worship God in truth only. You have to be endowed or endued with power from on high, the Spirit. And you can't worship God in spirit only without the truth. And there have always been people, and probably always will be people, that try to do it with just one or the other. I've been to churches that they have the truth. They have the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. They have the name. They have the truth. They understand the salvation plan. But they're as dead as a doornail. They got God so, so confined and locked up in a box. They got their little program, and they're going to do this song, and then this song, and then this song, and they're going to take up an offer, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and everything's planned, and they got the programs handed out to everybody in the pew, and you sit there, and you can read the program, and you know what's coming up next, and, and the only thing you can think of is, is going to McDonald's when service is over with. And you can't feel God within 100,000 miles of the place. And it don't matter how much truth you got. If you don't have a move of the Spirit, honey, you're not worshiping God. you got to have a move of the Spirit. That's the reason why I focus on letting the power of the Holy Ghost move. He can move anytime. Last Sunday, we had an altar service right in the middle of church. Right? Everybody come forward. We start praying. People receiving the Holy Ghost and moving and being touched on right in the middle of service. And I hadn't even preached yet. Some preachers that spasm out. That's fine. Lord, you can have your way. You interrupt our little program. We're going to plan the best we can, but we're going to pray that you have your will. And you can move anytime you want, and our little program will go right out the window. And then there's the group. So, so we want to be in truth but we want the spirit to move. And then there's the groups that all they're concerned about is the spirit, spirit, spirit. We want spirit, 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 spirit. If we can have the spirit, we go, oh, we'll let the spirit move. And, and, and you're going to have, they'll have, you know, 10 messages in tongues every service before we can ever get started. And all they want to do is shout and huck a buck and run the aisles and carry on. And there's never any truth put out. There's never any word put out. Hey, it's the spirit and it's the truth. And I don't want to get too deep into that, but there are some counterfeit spirits. And that's the reason why Paul said, try the spirits and see if they be of God. How do you do that? Here's how you try a spirit and see if it's of God. If they're walking in truth. If they're preaching false doctrine, then it ain't the right spirit. Because God's not the author of confusion. Amen? All right. It has always been the desire of God to fellowship with man in the spiritual realm. John 4 and 23. But the hour cometh and now is. Right now. 
When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So he's looking for worshipers. That is his desire. And if we are to be the true worshipers that God is looking for, then we must get in the spirit. And to worship him, we must walk in truth. We've got to walk in truth and move in the spirit. Does that make sense? We got to walk in truth and move in the spirit. Let's go to Romans 8, verses 8 through 9, okay? We'll read, just skip up a few verses from where we just read. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Everybody say cannot. Cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, comma, but you're in the spirit, comma. If, that's a big word right there. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. So that tells me that if the spirit of God does not dwell in you, then you're in the flesh. Let's read it again. You're not in the flesh if the Spirit of God dwell in you. You are in the Spirit if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And then we read our text, or what we read just a while ago. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. How's that going to happen? By his spirit that dwells in you. It is God's greatest desire, the whole point of Calvary, the whole point of the death, burial, and resurrection God's greatest desire is to fill us with his spirit. That's what he desires. That's what he wants. Notice what Paul is saying in verse 8. Unless you're in the spirit, you're not pleasing God. He then reinforces this point in the next verse by saying, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him. It's a pretty, pretty powerful thing that Paul's saying here. So our number one goal in life should be to please God. How many of you want to please God? So if you want to please God... The scripture's telling us here we need to get in the spirit, okay? This verse tells us that to do that and to please God, we need to be in the Holy Ghost. It's very important that we walk and talk and live and act in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet and let's go to the Lord.